0: Hello, And welcome to Down to Sally's Cove, a collection of stories about Newfoundland and Labrador by the late Elle Emanuel and read by me, Anthony Berger. I'm the editor of my mother's writings about the history and rich culture of the places and people she knew and loved. Many of these stories she read on local and national radio in the 1940s to 1970s. In this second of seven episodes about her Bombay friends and neighbors, Ella Manuel visits an old lady from a long-established family in Glenburnie, down in the bottom of South Arm. She hears about home life of long ago from Hugh Mackenzie's granddaughter. One day I was invited to take tea with a joyful old lady in Glenburnie. She had coal-black hair and pink cheeks, and she made me welcome in her kitchen, being one of the few women who did not insist on visitors coming into the parlour. And no wonder, for the kitchen had just been painted a shining white, with a dado of pale blue all around, and cupboard doors to match.' On an ancient wooden rocker was a woolen afghan, subtle blue and purples and violets, which she had just finished crocheting. The cloth she laid on the table was the purest white with blue and pink forget-me-nots embroidered at the corner. "'Blue is my favourite color, she said when I complimented her. "'I fair hates all that green and yellow that people mixes together.' She poured water into the teapot and laughed. <laughs> Puts me in mind of my sister. She knit some socks for her husband, always using up bits she was, and she knit them yellow and green stripes going round his legs. He had to wear them, but he told me he had to keep his eyes shut when he put them on because they made him want to throw up. Finally, he dropped them, by accident-like, into washing tub and boiling hot water, and you should have seen how they came out. Colour of pig mash. By the time we were seated at the table, a crowd of children had entered quietly and were sitting on the edges of their chairs, staring at me with wide eyes. Now Dan, what are you all doing inside this lovely day? Want a cookie, eh? Or to have a look at the woman? No, out, out with you all, and don't let me see you around here for another hour. She swept them off gently, took her chair and sighed. Them children, you think nobody could cook like their grandma, in and out all day, and that's not the half of them. I complimented her on their good manners and healthy looks, and she said, Yes, my dear, they're all Mackenzie's, all looks alike, just like me. And were you a Mackenzie? I've heard about them. You must be granddaughter of the original Mac then. Yes, and a good bit I minds about me grandfather Hugh and me great-uncles, and this is what she told me. In the mid-1800s, the first Mackenzies would sail out of Scotland each spring with their families and supplies and would return late fall with dry cod, smoked salmon and timber. They came to Bombay in the 1870s and settled in the bottom of the bay to fish and farm, cutting lumber to build their solid houses. They kept sheep and spun their own wool, out of which they wore cloth and knit sweaters, socks and underwear they made their boots from the hide of their cattle and as any one will tell you they were the best craftsmen in the entire area of the northwest coast acres of land they took in on government grants then they died and left the land to their large families why i can mind said my hostess when i was only twelve i hooked mats and spun wool and i even made skin boots from the sealskins me father got a dollar a pair and find me own materials that's what i got for them now I suppose you'd pay five dollars for them. More like forty, I said, and her eyes widened with surprise. There now, what is the world coming to after all? Forty dollars? Why, that was as much almost as I could earn in a year when I was young. I mind's when I went out in service, first time at the merchants, I got four dollars a month. For that I'd get up in the morning for sunup, and I'd make the fire, bring water from the brook, and put on to boil. And I'd have the washin' done and on the line by the time the men came in from fishing. Then 'twas off to the flakes. Of course, the men used to prong the fish up out of their boats, but we'd have to clean them and put them in the shed and salt. Once we salted the week before we'd have to take out and put on the flakes to dry in the sun. By then 'twould be dinner time, then off again turning the fish, cleanin' the splitting tables and so forth. And before you went to bed you'd have to mix bread so as it could rise overnight. Well, what would you do in the winter when there was no fishing, I asked. Oh, we all had our mat frames. In the fall, we'd get in some brin bags and we cut up our rags. I guarantee you, it more than your life was worth to leave any clothes around. They'd go into the mat for sure. So every afternoon, when dinner was done, we'd get out our mats and hook away till tea time. And then we had to knit. We knitted all the time to keep men in mitts and socks when they was cutting wood all day. And sweaters, hundreds of them, seems to me course we were always carding and spinning, even the tiny ones, for they had to pick the wool and help us twist it. No fun ever? Oh my, yes, twelve days of Christmas, my, day were times. We couldn't do one tap of work them twelve days, I tell you, or we'd get a lickin', and that meant we had to cook and bake and mix bread for a month beforehand, but we'd forget all that when the time came. Everyone went dancing and jannying night after night and we'd have a Christmas concert and a tree and all the children got presents, old people too. some funny watching an old man stumping up through the hall to get his presents from Santa Claus and Santa asking him if he'd been good all year. She laughed and wiped her eyes with the corner of her starched apron and poured another tea for us. Well, what did you eat at Christmas time? I asked. "'Well, we always had goose in our house, killed it ourselves. "'Of course, Christmas Eve, we always had boiled herring and potatoes "'to get our stomachs to rights for Christmas dinner. "'And then we'd have a bit of moose or caribou in case someone came for tea. "'Caribou used to come right down to the beach, them dimes, "'but we don't see them any more. "'Oh, yes, and we had pork, always had a leg or a shoulder of pork "'hanging up in the storeroom, and you never ate pork like it. "'Well, was it a special breed of pig, or what?' I asked.' Well, not special to start with, but as soon as September was out, we would start fattening them and would rub them with pot liquor every day to stretch their skins. Pot liquor? You knows, where you boil spare ribs and salt beef with cabbage and potatoes and peas pudding. We used to have it two, three times a week, and the water in the pot is what we'd bathe the pigs in, nice and greasy. Nothing better for stretching skins, and you knows an animal can get only so big as his skin will hold. Pies and puddings? "'Did you have old recipes from your mother and grandmothers?' I asked. "'Now hold on me, dear. Wait till I tells you.' "'But by this time the bus had gone, "'and I was just as happy to walk home in the fading twilight, "'that long, infinitely lovely period of our northern spring day. "'I walked up hill and down, past tiny houses with their yellow lamps, "'past black outlines of the mountains against the darkening sky "'and the silver sheen of the wind-riffled bay.' Orion was travelling south with Sirius in his wake. The pole star shone faintly. I saw the moon rise twice in my walk, once from a hill under Pecadene Reef and again by the beach in Helcove. Ah, that was a night I wouldn't call the king my uncle. That was me, Antony Berger, reading a story by the late El Emanuel, from the podcast series, Down to Sally's Cove. This was recorded in the studios of VOBB, The Voice of Bombay, community radio in the heart of Grosmoor National Park in western Newfoundland. Recording engineer and sound editor was Gary Wilton. Background music from Coffee in the Cove, written and played by David Berger. Together with a biography of my mother... These and other stories are available in book form entitled No Place for a Woman, The Life and Newfoundland Stories of Ella Emanuel, published in 2020 by Breakwater Books, St. John's, Newfoundland and Labrador. Thanks for listening. And tune in to the next episode for Stories of Bombay in the late 1800s, as remembered by Nan Harding.